the world. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had a linguist. no idea. <laughs> I, love I didn't that. know you were a but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267 22 Jiggy. Daddy Monday. Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? It reminds me of that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy play guitar. Jeff. It's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey, and uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my tricks up there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. Well, welcome to the Thursday edition of the world famous Cheeky Jaguar Radio Broadcast, coast to coast, border to border on the tuning. On iTunes, Radio Loyalty. And of course, uh, 50 plus AM FM stations across the fruited plain. Stormy Daniels. Why is Stormy Daniels such a big deal? I just. I don't know. Could, couldn't it have been a different porn star? That's my question. Couldn't it have been a different porn star? I don't know, man. It is the Thursday edition of our big broadcast. It is coast to coast. It is border to border. It is TuneIn. It is iTunes. It is Radio Loyalty. We ain't going to talk about Stormy Daniels today. We got a press release here from something. I don't know. It is uh, coast to coast. It is border to border. It is tune in. It is iTunes. It is radio loyalty. It is the big broadcast. And we are going to go to our first guest. They are going to join us live. Or guests. Guests. We have our first guests. Look at that. The wireless customer you are calling. The wireless customer you are calling is not going to let you talk to them on Skype today. They are not going to let us talk to them on Skype. Well, first of all, they're not going to let us talk to them on Skype because guess what? I dialed the wrong damn phone number. That's part of it. That's part of it. And I believe there's our guests. Welcome to the broadcast, my friends. Thank you. Thanks for being on the broadcast. Uh, Go ahead and uh, give us a brief introduction on yourselves. I'm Sue Matthews. The book was written by me and my sister, Andrea Cohane. You know that. Um, we wrote Paint Your Hair Blue in honor and memory of my daughter, Taylor, who passed away from pediatric cancer. Wow. And to raise awareness about cancer, any kind of cancer, and pediatric cancer. And we have a foundation that has called the Taylor Matthews Foundation that has raised a million and a half dollars towards pediatric cancer research. Wow. Wow. And the book is called Paint Your Hair Blue. Now, tell us a little bit about the book. Well, uh, Paint Your Hair Blue, as Sue mentioned, is written in honor of Taylor. And it's a, you know, it's a legacy to her uh, and and to keep her voice uh, from going silent. But at the same time, really, it's almost, it could almost be a handbook for anyone going through a difficult diagnosis 
filled uh, throughout the pages and particularly at the end in a condensed form are um, tips that are tried and true that Sue and her family gleaned from years of uh, treatment in the hospital, in and out of hospitals. And it's, it's from a layperson's perspective, of course, um, but certainly something that uh, would take somebody from zero to 100 in, in the reading of a book if they, if they really didn't know the lay of the land. The book is also a celebration of life. Its title is Paint Your Hair Blue because Taylor was not concerned at all about losing her hair. In fact, she told other kids that were very concerned, if you're five years old and you're a little girl, dye your hair pink. If you're a boy, cut it in a mohawk. <laughs> blue was her favorite color, and in retrospect, we should have painted her hair blue, but she had a lot, she loved her hair twice and had a lot yeah. of fun with it. Yeah. We've got a uh, couple of great guests with us today. They are the authors of Paint Your Hair Blue. And um, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, some of the life lessons that was gleaned from Taylor's battle with cancer. A lot of life lessons were gleaned. I think she taught me a lot of life lessons rather than myself as her mother taught her. Her biggest life lesson that she taught us was all you need is love in life. I think most people know it, but she really felt it strongly. I asked her a couple of weeks before she passed away when she was tied to an oxygen tank, Taylor, why are you not mad that you can't go to school and you can't go to Sweet Sixteens? And she said, Mommy, what do I have to be mad about? Everybody loves me. So that was one huge life lesson. <laughs> That's and awesome. That is awesome. And, yeah, I, and she so meant it. I mean, there was she never was angry about her cancer diagnosis. Of course, she didn't want to be sick but she was never really angry about it. And we always lived this life, our family, but certainly she exaggerated it even more. To live life in the moment, none of us know what tomorrow is going to bring. We had so much fun, which was partially by breaking the rules in the hospital, by taking her out. But she was always up to some prank, and her favorite saying was, life sucks, wear a helmet. <laughs> We've got uh, two great guests with us today, the authors of Paint Your Hair Blue, and uh, they join us today here on our big broadcast. Now, tell us a little bit about a, how, how a family basically continued to experience life, have fun, sometimes thumbing their noses at the medical industry, so that their daughter could live as a kid with cancer rather than a cancer kid. Um, you know what? From day one, my husband and I were a synergistic team. We had to split up to keep the family intact. And our our motto always in our family was to have fun, enjoy life, bring it. You know, we never broke rules that harmed anyone else, but we did things that made life fun. For one, In one instance, she was about three days out of massive lung surgery. They told me her walking around the floor of the hospital was like a run, running a marathon. And my husband was with her that night, and the doctors were insistent that she take another walk. And they said, walk outside, go downstairs and get ice cream. I think they meant get ice cream in the cafeteria in the hospital. But my husband took her out with her ivy pole, hospital gown was swagging, all the bandages were bleeding. And in New York City, the place of the good, the ugly, and the bad, Everyone, the taxis hooted their horns. Everyone cheered her on. And then they were out too long. Security called me and said, you know, your daughter's, we're nervous. Your daughter's not around. Where is she? And I, which made them even more angry, but I didn't really care. I said, if she's with my husband, she's totally fine. 
And then security ran out and tried to find her, and she thought the whole thing was hysterical. She ended up in bed saying, hospital zero, me one. <laughs> We've got the authors of Paint Your Hair Blue with us today here in our big broadcast, Coast to Coast, Border to Border, on TuneIn, iTunes, and, of course, Radio Loyalty, iHeartRadio with us today. Now, talk to us a little bit about how a mother and father divided and conquered responsibilities, creating a synergistic team to help the daughter beat the odds. We had to break, not break apart, we had to join together to keep our whole family together and take on different roles and responsibilities while my husband continued to work. But we were, I don't know how we came up with this because we came up with this the first day, within the first hours that she was diagnosed, we decided that I would go home and tell our other two daughters and my husband would tell Taylor. So we took that approach almost throughout the entire diagnosis. He did all the research at night, making a pot of coffee after going to work, talking to doctors all day. What is gleaned from the book tremendously is that you really have to be an advocate, whether you're the patient, the mother, the father, a loved one, and any kind of illness. And you need second, third, fourth opinions. Taylor had a three-month prognosis, lived almost five years, and that was because my husband researched and researched and researched. And we went from one hospital to the next. But my job was minimizing Taylor's suffering, taking care of all her medications. I was the one who mostly slept with her in the hospital. And I was the kindergarten teacher that made sure every day we had something fun to do. And we both jointly together, with, of course, Taylor as well, stayed strong as a family, the five of us. We've got a, a couple of great guests with us today. They join us live here in a big broadcast, the authors of Paint Your Hair Blue. They join us today here on 50-plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world, iHeartRadio as well. And um, talk to us a little bit about advice for parents and family members who are navigating the world of pediatric uh, oncology. Navigating the world is step-by-step process, and that's documented throughout the entire book. We had no one in the medical field in our family, and it's learning step-by-step. Some parents are willing to go to greater extremes. Some parents are not. Um, I'm trying to think. It's a very, you know, obviously it's a very difficult and specific uh, situation that, you know, depends on what you, what, you know, you're, hospital is or what your state is or where you are but navigating the world means asking questions questioning the answers never taking no for an answer I mean I remember Sue's used to say if a doctor says something that we don't want to hear we keep asking and if he doesn't answer how we want to hear it we look for another doctor and honestly they really kept doing that time and time again as she said Taylor had a three-month prognosis. It was Christmas time, and they basically said, we probably should can't do much more, and she should just, you know, live out the rest of her life. And they switched hospitals, and they switched doctors, and she lived four more years after that. Um, and, and when I say she lived four years, she lived. She traveled. She fell in love. She had a serious boyfriend. She went to parties. She laughed. She absolutely, you know, had the most fun that she could possibly have in, in, in those four years. So that was a really, really big deal. We've got two great guests with us today. They join us live here on a big broadcast. Paint Your Hair Blue. It is a fantastic, fantastic read. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the writing process for the book. 
the writing process started out where we weren't 100% sure we were writing a book. I actually took a writing class to be therapeutic in my healing process. And I started, I needed to write 25-page papers. So I wrote the papers, and then I live in New York. Andrea lives in Charlotte. We did almost all the writing by Internet, by switching documents back and forth. And we wrote together. I remembered certain things. Andrea remembered a lot more than I did due to, I guess, the trauma of the experience. And after we wrote three 25-page papers, we had 75 pages, and we said, you know what? Taylor's legacy, she started the Taylor Matthews Foundation within three weeks of diagnosis when we found out her protocol was 30 to 40 years old, which is now 50 years old. So her legacy was to help others. The book is a continuation of her legacy of helping others. So it was incredibly therapeutic to write it. And from my standpoint as the mother of losing a child, I needed my soulmate, my best friend, my sister to emotionally hold me up while we wrote the book. And in the end, comments that we're getting is it's extremely helpful for people that are ill, but it's extremely helpful for anybody that's going through life's ups and downs to realize how important and precious today is. So it was very therapeutic with our end goal being to help other people to fulfill Taylor's legacy. And... The whole time I was writing the book, even writing the sad parts, Taylor was sitting right next to me, pinching me, saying, Mommy, don't cry. And in the happy parts where we had a great time, we were remembering them together. So it was really a fabulous experience. Talk to us a little bit about some of the reviews and and some of the uh, positive feedback and, and critiques and everything you've gotten in the book so far. I find it very interesting because, and I've said this a few times, various people have read it, and everybody comes to me with something different that they take from the book, and it, it's whatever it is that speaks to them. So, for example, one of my good friends who is a devout Catholic, the part that she was talking to me and asking me more about was the part where when Taylor, before diagnosis, was a little girl and Sue had lost herself in the craziness of the holiday and all the gifts, and Taylor really didn't care about presents. And she said, Mommy, the only thing I want to do is go to midnight mass and be, be closer to God. That's the thing that I care about the most. And she was about eight years old. So my friend, that spoke to her. Others have talked to me about, you know, some of the hard times that were difficult. Um, and so, you know, it's some, some people have talked about um, – what her husband Bob was able to do and all the research and how he he dug deep every night and, as she said, made a pot of coffee after working all day and researched all night. Um, and others have talked about how much it's helped them and, and how they, you know, going through their own difficult cancer diagnoses or someone who's going through a cancer diagnosis helped them to, to wake up and say, you know what, this is not a death sentence. Actually, this is a invitation to live my life to the fullest. So it really, it varies. But people have been extremely positive. And our professional reviews have all gotten what we hope to give people out of the book, that they recognize the celebration of life and that it's not just a sad story. 
We've got two great guests joining us today here on the big broadcast talking about Paint Your Hair Blue. It is a, a fantastic, fantastic book. Now talk to us a little bit about how a mom was able to stay strong while her daughter remained in the hospital for five weeks following a 14-hour surgery to save her life. There's nothing any mother wouldn't do, I don't think, to save their child's life. It was the biggest goal I ever had, and I was going to do it. I was determined to do it, and I had no choice. But every moment I got to spend with Taylor was so wonderful. I, people ask me, how did you take care of yourself? Did you get a massage? I, to me, taking care of myself was when I was making Taylor happy. So it was not arduous at all for me to do it. And I think for most parents, it isn't. You just do what you have to do. And giving her a life and happiness was the best thing I could possibly do. And I hate to say it because she loved to go to school. But for me, for her not to go to school for five years, many parents never get that quality of life with their child. And she, she endured tremendous suffering. However, if she were here today, she would tell me, I didn't suffer because mommy and daddy took care of me. And the other thing was very important to us, which may vary from families to families, but we wanted her to, her to always feel like she was safe. And she really did. She always thought no matter what came across her way, mommy and daddy would take care of me. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you want readers to take away from your writing. Oh, what we want, well, first and foremost, I think what we want is to fulfill Taylor's goal of helping other people. So what we want is for people to, you know, read the book and to, uh, you know, she always said if I could save one life, it would all be worth it. So if we can help people, um, if we can help people do that, then, you know, that would be absolutely our goal. The other thing is a portion of the proceeds of the book are going to the foundation. So we feel very good about that, that the book has helped to save children's lives. We've got two great guests with us today. They join us live here on our big broadcast, Coast to Coast, Border to Border, iHeartRadio, AMFM247.com. Now, uh, talk to us a little bit about advice for parents and family members who are navigating uh, this, this this entire world here, because uh, this uh, sometimes this is an unknown world for folks. It's in most times it's a complete shock, utter disbelief when your child is diagnosed with cancer. A, it's rare, and B, you don't come to the conclusion that when they complain of an ache or pain that they would have cancer. So you're suddenly thrust into a world of complete unknown. So it's hard to start navigating the world, but my suggestion is question, 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 research, research, research. Most doctors will tell you not to go on Google, and a lot of information on Google is frightening and may not be 100% accurate, but that's the way my husband got to doctors all over the country. Taylor was treated all over the United States and in Germany and London as well. She actually passed away in Germany where we were getting an experimental treatment that was not available in the United States. And if you have family support, which sometimes it destroys families, sometimes it brings families closer, rely on other people. Don't wait for people. Many people ask you, what can I do, what can I do? The easier person just does. And one thing that we asked for and that Taylor was so proud of, 
of what she had accomplished is we asked for people to donate blood and platelets. And one afternoon when we were, she was getting treatment, we were at Memorial Sloan Kettering, and the blood center came up to her and said, you've had the largest donations of anyone with cancer that we've ever received. And that made her so incredibly happy. So although we had to navigate the system and learn to question, 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 we did things along the way that were helping others, which was Taylor's ultimate goal. And that's what I think, honestly, was part of the cure for her. She was in remission for two years. But I think you cannot be intimidated by your doctor, which a lot of people are. Your doctor is not God. They're certainly doing the best they possibly can. Yes. And the way the United States government is structured, trials go out to different hospitals. They don't necessarily all have the same information. Now, that's trying to be changed at this point. They're trying to do a national database. But going from one hospital to the next, and one thing most people don't realize is that getting a second or third opinion is generally free, and if you send the hospital and the doctors the scans, they'll speak to you on the phone. You don't even have to bring your child with you. Good advice. It's Sue, it's Andrea, and it is Paint Your Hair Blue. They join us today here on iHeartRadio and AMFM247.com. Also, Talk America Live, as well as our good friends over there at KFRK in Denver, Colorado. Now, um, what can be done to fund pediatric cancer and greatly improve access to adult treatments for children? Give us your take on this. Well, certainly anyone that wants to donate any funds help. Pediatric cancer is devastatingly underfunded by the U.S. government, where pediatric cancer only receives 4% of the entire National Cancer Institute's budget, which is less than $200 million. And what people don't understand is there's hundreds and hundreds of different pediatric cancers. So philanthropy dollars help tremendously. That being said, the government is finally taking action. I was just on the Hill last week lobbying Congress, and it's the first time in 15 years where I see the government taking action. They passed uh, the RACE Act last year, which will require, and this is putting the money and trouble on the pharma companies, um, they're requiring pharma companies to test drugs that are for adults in children. Now, that's a dicey situation because children are not little adults. The metabolisms are completely different. But the way that they're working with cancer now is mostly through precision medicine, where they're not taking a leukemia and saying this is a general class of, of pediatric cancer or an adult cancer. They're looking, sequencing the child's tumor and looking for the DNA mutation. If they find DNA mutations in certain enzymes and proteins on the cell that are on different cells in adult cancers, the government is going to require the pharma companies to test them on children. For an example of that is a dad who has colon cancer and has the gene. That, that cancer may show up in a child as a sarcoma. I know a case, in fact, that just happened a couple of weeks ago with that. The baby was 14 months old, and they scanned her just because the dad had colon cancer, and they found out the child had a huge tumor in her stomach. We've got a... So, uh... We've we've got two great guests with us today, and uh, they join us live here on our broadcast. Now, what's next for you guys as authors and, and everything else? What's next is traveling the country, telling people our story, telling people's tale, 
tell a story, giving her voice out and trying to help others and being two sisters doing it and loving it, doing it together. Fantastic. Well, uh, I appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks for coming on, and uh, have you guys have yourself a wonderful afternoon. Appreciate it. You Thank too. You. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you much. And uh, there they go on Skype. We are going to take a brief break, and uh, when we come back, we have got an interesting... I'll tell you, this is going to be fun. We are, <laughs> we are going to do... Not that the last interview wasn't fun, but... Uh, We've got an interesting an interesting guest coming up. We are going to talk to Alex Jones's ex-wife. <laughs> Hell of a deal. Coming up. We've got a tremendous new author today. GoGetFunding.com slash help dash me dash publish dash my dash book dash the dash cougars dash men dash seduced dash by dash a dash cougar an amazing amazing new author Check out GoGetFunding.com. Search Help Me Publish My Book, The Cougar's Den, Seduced by a Cougar. This is an absolutely amazing read. It's getting five stars from the folks who have seen it earlier. It is an amazing, amazing book. Help this individual get this thing published. GoGetFunding.com. Please help to publish a brand new book. They wrote for Kindle, which has a success, and uh, they've written up a follow-up to the book. It's called The Cougar's Den, seduced by a cougar. They need to publish the new book and print it. They need your help to ensure the mission comes true by ensuring this message reaches all the people who live and happy in their relationships. Check out Moses Rapoe and his incredible, incredible new book, GoGetFunding.com. Search Help me publish my book, The Cougar's Den, Seduced by a Cougar. I tell them you heard about it here, Transmedia Worldwide. Dan Perkins here for Songs and Stories for Soldiers with your veterans tip of the day. Did you know that the suicide rate for women vets is 12 times that of their sisters in civilian life? Did you know that one in four women vets feel uncomfortable about talking to people about their mental health issues? Did you know almost 600,000 women vets in America are suffering from PTSD? It's time to help. It's time for all of us to encourage our sisters, mothers, and wives to get help by contacting their local VA hospital clinic or community-based health care center. So if you know a woman vet that is suffering, go to va.gov and find their nearest VA facility. This has been Dan Perkins of Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us with your veterans tip of the day. 
If your credit card bills have gotten out of hand, call Consolidated Credit now. They can consolidate your debts, reduce your interest rates, and get you out of debt fast. Call Consolidated Credit now. 800-404-0907. 800-404-0907. That's 800-404-0907. Consolidated Credit Counseling Services Incorporated. 5701 West Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. 33313. Not a loan company. Licensed by the New York Department of Financial Services and by the Vermont Department of Financial Regulation. Maryland DM 19. Oregon DM 80031. Licensed by Virginia State Corporation Commission DC 32. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-809-5785. A Place for Mom offers free, one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-809-5785. That's 1-800-809-5785. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Call Jiggy right now. 267-22-Jiggy. Holy smokes. Thanks for joining us back here on iHeartRadio. AMFM247.com. Tune in, iTunes, or do loyalty. I don't tell anybody to go over to iTunes, but if you're listening to us on iTunes, go leave us like a five-star rating. I, I hear other podcasts, and I hear other radio shows pimping that, so... Uh, I need you to go do that. Go right over there right now and do it. Now, uh, <laughs> also find us on Stitcher as well. And uh, we have got a heck of a deal coming up here in just a few moments. Um, I heard an interview that uh, this guest did. Kelly Jones from custodywars.com did on David Pakman's show. And I was blown away by this woman. Um, she is a great speaker. She is a great broadcaster. And we're going to get into that. We're going to call up Kelly Jones of custodywars.com. And I believe there is Kelly Jones. How are you, Kelly? It's James Lowe with iHeartRadio calling. How Hi, are you? James. Yeah, thank you. Now, you? Uh, pretty good, actually. Um, I was just telling the audience uh, here, I, uh, I I heard you on David Pakman's show, and I was blown away by, uh, by your story. I also love the fact that you're a broadcaster yourself. Um, so we're going to have a lot of fun today. Uh, we have with us today on Skype, uh, Skype audio, Kelly Jones from the website custodywars.com. And, uh, Kelly is with us today talking about, uh, uh radio host Alex Jones' son has basically, uh, challenged, uh, Parkland massacre survivor David Hogg to a gun debate. 
And uh, Jones, Jones' uh, outraged mom, Kelly, is with us today, and uh, she joins us today here on our broadcast. CustodyWars.com, by the way, is the website. Check out CustodyWars.com. And um, Kelly, uh, talk to us a little bit about this story, because this this is, what well, when I, I'm, you know, full disclosure, I'm a huge Alex Jones fan, uh, but I'll tell you, he has... When I seen this video get posted to YouTube, I was like, holy smokes, I think that's a little over the line. Uh, and then uh, my buddy Mark uh, happened to send me an email about being able to get you on the show, and I thought, this is perfect. Um, talk to me about this situation, because this, to me, as, as just someone on the outside looking in, uh, this looks way over the line. Uh, give me your take on this. Well, I'm glad that you gave full disclosure there. And yes. you did ask Mark if he were going to be hostile to me, which is fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm open to any hostility because what I'm... Oh, no. After I, seen, after I seen you yeah, on Pac-Man? I believe I'm coming from a place that's righteous. Yes. And I believe if you are an Alex Jones fan um, and an older Alex Jones fan, Yes. That you are a fan because you believe in basic civil liberties. Yep. You're a constitutionalist, yep. maybe a conservative. You believe in the First Amendment and uh, the law and justice in America. And um, my story is really about civil liberties. I always yes. say, I always say, James, you know, it's not sour grace. It's civil liberties. Yes. It's hard to think about it. Anything outside of, you know, a family issue, people think, oh, embittered ex-wife or sour grapes or dirty laundry. Listen, the last thing I wanted to do was to put my family in the public eye. Yes. And actually, I wasn't the first person to do it, right? Alex was. Yes. But through the family court system for years, James, Alex has decimated my civil liberties and my human rights from the first to the fourth to the 14th Amendment. Mm -hmm. And it's reached such a point that I've had to plead to the federal government to take my case from the state court that has not given me the relief and has put me under unconstitutional orders so that I can show America, you know, hey, really at the core of it, I'm just this sovereign American lady who wants her rights back. And the main right I want back is, uh, well, they're all very important and are all integrated together, but I want to be a parent to my kids. And a jury of our peers, you know, the last stronghold of our freedoms, our peers, a jury trial, the jury decided for me to be primary parent to our children. Mm -hmm. And the judge in my case, who exhibited tremendous bias ongoing, has left the children primarily with Alex. And that's not because she's sage or because she has some discretion to do that. It's because she's acting unconstitutionally with bias to protect and abuse her. And I'm sorry that I had to bring that forward in that way. But it's reached a point where I must speak out on behalf of my family. We've got a, a great guest with us today. Kelly Jones joins us. Check out custodywars.com. Um, I, I will have to say that, that you are fantastic. When, when, I, when I saw you on David Pakman's show, um, I was just blown away by, by the fact that uh, you, you're able to do all the different things that you're doing. Um, you know, a, a lot of the things that the media and a lot of, and, and especially Alex, have painted you a certain way. Um, you're none of those things. Um, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on today. Um, when, when I saw this video get posted 
um, uh, about your son basically challenging the the uh, Parkland massacre survivor here, David Hogg, to a to a gun debate. Um, I was very queasy, and I really it was kind of one of these wow, that's a little over the line type of things. Um, give me your thoughts of when you heard about this or seen this and, and got word of this. Uh, because as just as an outsider looking in, I'm looking at this going, wow, this is crazy. But what what did you make of, you know, you know everybody involved in this process? So give me your take on that. Okay, I sure will, and thank you for that opportunity. I want to kind of um, short up with people's understanding of me as a person politically. Um, I am a conservative person. I'm pretty moderate in social issues. But, I mean, I I have a gun. I live in the country. You know, I'm a Texan, whatever. I'm not some um, big liberal, but I do think that people need to, uh, that it's such a bifurcating issue, and the way that it's being dealt with is very incendiary. And so back to the thing with my son on the air on Alice's show. I mean, it broke my heart. It just broke my heart, James. You know, my son is 15 years old. He looks 20, right, and he's well-spoken. He's a brilliant, brilliant kid. But to me, he never really got a chance to be anything other than that, which was slated to become the next Alex Jones or this or that or the other. And my son is furious with me right now for speaking out about this. But actually, a lot of my argument in court that I presented forensically, so like a crime, like, you know, with with experts and evidence and information, had to do with severe psychological programming of our children. I believe that every parent has a right to morally instruct their children, but when it when it edges over into like a cult-like programming, it's a big concern. And that's a horrible thing to have to say about your son. But my children were left in a situation where they really are, they're in a tough, tough situation, James. And I think it was very irresponsible, number one, because Alex is always talking himself about the evident danger of being in the public eye and what, how that's affected him and his family and our family in the past. And number two, I just think it's unfair to, this, to my son, who is now, you know, simultaneously being praised and given all this almost hero worship and horrible trolling where people are attacking him. He's a 15-year-old kid. You know, he does have a gift for public speech. Let him be on debate club or let him have his YouTube channel about his previous interests like science or you know, computing or even marketing, whatever it is. But let's not try to superimpose this on Brex. And as you saw it, when you say you got queasy, I mean, there were some pretty serious things that Rex said. Now, to be frank with you, I really haven't watched it in its entirety because it's so upsetting to me. Um, but I do know that some of the things that he did could be misconstrued to be serious threats. And obviously that's a concern for any parent, you know, for a child to be put in a position to where he's actually protecting Alex, right? He's, yes. He's pushing Alex's agenda and protecting his father. I mean, give me a break. You know, uh, the, the first thing he challenged to debate was, is uh, technically an adult. My son is not. And by the way, Alex is completely enjoying for putting him on the air, which means he's not allowed to. So he violated court orders. He apparently went on the next day and said he knew that I didn't want Rex on the air. Wow. But he don't. You know, I don't. So this also plays into um, my ongoing defamation and intentional infliction of emotional 
sister has tort claim, I have against Alex, or he has just repeatedly, purposefully done things just to mess with me or to cause me distress. And I, and I contend that this is one of them. You know, as a parent, it's when you can't protect your child from something that you think is unhealthy, even with the court order, it's very upsetting. We've got a great guest with us today. Kelly Jones joins us, uh, custodywars.com. I am extremely excited to be talking with Kelly today here on our broadcast. Check out the website, custodywars.com. Now, um, Kelly, I want to talk a little bit about your broadcast background, because that was one of the things that jumped out at me when I was watching your interview that you did with, uh, with David Pakman. Um, you have an incredible broadcast background. You you know what you're doing. Um, when when I watched that interview, you guys did that on on Skype video. You know how to set up Skype. You've got all the you know all all the broadcast equipment. It it looks fabulous. Uh, just talking to you today, you have you have a presence. You are you're well spoken. Um, talk to us a little bit about your broadcast background. Well, that's super kind to say. I really appreciate it, James. Um, of course, I was there at the very foundation of Alex's Enterprise, right? So I actually met Alex while we both had a show with the same producer um, here in Austin, Texas. And um, my background prior to that is kind of funny how I got into all this, is I used to actually work for PETA, which I really disagree with now. But at the time, <laughs> it did give me a lot of exposure. Yes. I did a lot of press interviews and things like that. That's cool. That's cool. So, um, being there and 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 watching from, you know, Alex's rise essentially from doing you know, public access TV, shortwave radio to where he is now. Um, what 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 do you make of of, of this whole thing? Because I, I'll tell you, just from uh, listening to older Alex Jones stuff and seeing some of the old cable access stuff. I hate to admit it, but he was much more entertaining back then than he is now. <laughs> um, right. What 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 do you make of you know the because like like you said you guys shared a producer at the uh, at 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 the access station and things like that. Um, where, where 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 do you think he got off the rails? I I I, I guess uh, broadcast wise. Well, I think. Um, Alex obviously currently has really lost his central ethic. Like yes. everything that he proposed that he was about, yep. he was a nonpartisan libertarian, you know, John, John Burke Society, Ron Paulitarian, and now he's transmogrified into this alt-right propaganda mouthpiece for yes. President Trump, yes. <laughs> which is just boring anyhow. And, yes. and it's um, disturbing to watch the hypocrisy of him endorsing uh, totalitarian-type moves that previously he built his audience off of protesting, you know, overreaching actions and um, civil liberties invasions and things of that nature, you know. Uh, so I think, honestly, um, I remember at which point Alex started getting a lot uh, more famous and a lot wealthier, and I think he just has lost sight of who he is. I think, like the David Bowie sa song says, you know, fame makes you lose heart to follow. I think he's become that which he um, originally spoke out against. He's become an elitist. He lives a, an elitist life. His studio, oh my gosh. That studio, I was in KXN uh, here in Austin, Texas, one of the local affiliates, I think it's NBC, 
Yeah. I mean, their studio is like one room. In oh, a yeah. Giant complex. You, you, you look at that studio from some of the YouTube videos, and, and this, this was one of the, one of the main reasons I wanted to get you on is because you, you look at that, and it is, it is a massive, massive situation. And I'm like, you know, it's really cool from a broadcast perspective, but then I'm, then I'm thinking, man, how much did all that crap cost? <laughs> I mean, probably more than you can imagine. I will tell you one thing that horrified me during our marriage, and and a lot of this is just this waste and this this greed, and uh, it really, to me, is a huge waste. Like, I look at our divorce. Our divorce and custody battle subsequent to that cost $6 million combined because he kept filing and filing, and I had to defend myself with all of these expensive attorneys and all of these junk services. It's insane. But one of the things that's really shocking about the studios that I, I believe I can say is he doesn't even own that. He rents it. So he's putting all these, like, gigantic... See, that's that's what I... That's kind of yeah. what I thought. And, and you know, it, it just... <laughs> it boggles the mind how much it does. that is. It does. And how these people, like grandmas, you know, that, that are sitting from the Social Security check or people that believe that his free speech is being threatened while he's using the money that he gets off donations to file against my free speech. Yes. You know, good-hearted people trying to support this person that they've believed in maybe for a long while, or maybe, I don't know what the motivation is, I can't speculate, but it's going into something that's not efficient and, and it's no longer really effective even, and it's no it's not relevant in this day and age. It's like um, this giant, uh, you know... I don't know, it's a megalomaniacal. That's what I was getting ready to say. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty sad, actually. We've got got a really great get day with us. Jones joins us, and the website is custodywars.com. Check out custodywars.com. And, um, Kelly, one of the things that that I've always found really strange, and maybe you could give me some insight onto this, um, is, is... Alex's feud with Glenn Beck. What <laughs> was when you guys were married? Did he have these, you know, these? Uh, I, I, I guess these fixations on having feuds with people, or did that happen after you guys got divorced and he decided he was going to have a feud with you? And it just kind of went from there. Yeah. (laughs) No, the sad thing about Alex is that he really is not a well guy. And he does have a lot of anger and hate in his heart for people. And he will fixate on people every time it was different people. There are people that he's still fixated on from his childhood that he still makes fun of. Wow. He brings up old stories. (laughs) Yeah. So he's really, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's sad, but it's also very disturbing. And it's very frightening. Because yeah. he's a really powerful guy. Well, yeah, and and you know to see some of these uh, some of these videos and 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 then you know you you think about especially some of the ones where he's at home broadcasting and gets outraged and all these things and and I think about the children in the home and it, it, that is just uh, to me is is you know. Uh, I'm I'm actually really glad that you've got the website custodywars.com and you're out there bringing this uh to folks and uh and and trying to get the word out here. Um 
with with the website, um, was was there some reason? Is there some reason? I guess analytically or uh, search engine wise, why it's called custodywars.com? Because it well, seems yes. it, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a nod to Infowars. Okay. Right? And, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, that's what I thought. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it is definitely. I definitely have um, been very open about me trying to try my story and get interest to my story through Alex's name because yeah. not only is it my story, James, but it's the story of many, many people in this country. The family court system routinely fails good parents and beautiful yes. children. And it's yes. a tragedy. And so particularly in the county that I'm in, Travis County, the court system is just broken. And I have had to, again, remove my case to federal court. I mean, that's a, that's a huge move. And what I said is not only are my civil liberties being violated and my human rights, but there is a racket, a RICO racket of people in the family court system that refer to each other and make money and receive kickback payments. And I'm not mentioning words. I think that there is a criminal racket in Austin, Texas. So I'm just trying to get the word out in any way possible, tying my name to his, unfortunately, still in order to raise awareness. And also because I need relief. I need support, you know. Now, is the um, we, we, we've got uh, Kelly Jones with us today. Check out custodywars.com. Uh, where do where do you think that this starts as far as the uh, corruption and everything there? How, how if if somebody were to want to, you know, try to try to fix the mess that you've got down there uh, in the family court system? Uh, does does that start with judges or is that higher than that? What, what, Give give me your take. That on is this. a wonderful question, and thanks so much for asking. Um, in high, so in, this would never have happened to Alex and I if we hadn't had a ton of money, right? Yeah. So it happened because in high dollar divorce, um, what happens are is that experts, so called experts, or case managers, or guardians ad litem, or people like that, come into play. And in my case, there were as many as thirty professionals. One of them, wow. for instance, required a forty thousand dollar a month retainer. Holy and smokes! And they're given, yeah. And these wow. are people like good that have Lord. found a good job for themselves, right? They they were get the same appointments, or they get repeat appointments rather from the same attorneys. And um, in in the case of many of these experts that really affect the outcome of the case, like for instance, the guardian ad litem, yes. which is an expert that's supposed to represent the best interests of the child. Well, they have no oversight. They have no standard code of conduct that they have to follow, and they are lawsuit immune. And they repeatedly act with tremendous bias. And in my case, I have proven that, and I've shown that they've committed perjury on the stand, lying about me. I mean, the things that they used to miscast me or misconstrue me as being one thing or the other, they admitted that they lied about. And yet I'm still being treated as if that lie is real. So first of all, we clean up the junk services. We don't need that. If it's not CPS reportable and CPS will find no fault, it shouldn't come into play, right? Um, and then we go to the judges. Who are, what are these judges doing? If they're acting unconstitutionally, they should be uh, they should be impeached or lose their seat on the bench. It's just as simple as that. There's laws to follow. Um, I say we follow the laws that are in place. We have the Constitution and our state codes to follow. And it, it really could be as simple as that. 
We've got an uh, extraordinary guest with us today. Kelly Jones joins us here on the broadcast, the website custodywars.com. Check out custodywars.com. And uh, Kelly Jones, an outspoken family court justice ad- activist. Uh, she won a jury trial to be a uh, primary parent in 2017. She's outspoken about family court corruption, pointing to Alex Jones's uh, litigation and so some of his uh, coordinated aggravated uh, perjury of multiple experts that has led her unlawfully losing her children is an illustration of fact that America desperately needs family court reform. And um, is is it also a situation down there, especially in your neck of the woods and concerning this this uh, this trial and everything and everything you've been going through? Is it a money thing, too? Is it, you know, paying off judges, paying this person, doing that? Is is, is that part of the issue, too? Well, I, I don't know about that for sure, and that's not something that I'm alleging. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm just sitting this- here thinking, if some dude is making $40,000 on a retainer, <laughs> yeah, that is was, that right? is a hell, that's a hell of a racket, Kelly. And so <laughs> I was thinking, well, <laughs> hell, maybe this, is, yeah. maybe this is what it is. Maybe it's, you know, not saying that you, Alex, or anyone... Uh, but I mean, like a situation like this, if you've got someone who, let's say, is a uh, is 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 got a wife and they're divorcing, and the husband has, let's say, all the money, or the wife has all the money, I'm thinking, heck, maybe there could be some bribery or something involved in yours. Well, actually, not in your case, but I mean in other cases. Yeah, well, actually, James, I'm not saying that bribery didn't happen. I think that yeah. the kind of racketeering that's going on where they're referring to each other down the line and they're getting repeat um, appointments from the same attorneys yeah. to the same judges, yeah. I, I can say that is kind of bribery. And uh-huh. I do have, for example, in my case, one of the experts, um, a therapist who was seeing one of our kids, which should have been receiving $150 an hour, you know, for maybe seeing him twice to four times a month. What is that, like 600 bucks? Yep. Alex paid him $22,000 within the expanse of two months. And wow. I and I have those checks. I don't know how you can explain that. And he was one of the people who lied about me. So, um, But I wanted to tell you how yes. really astute you are about the situation because when you said whoever has the most money, and that's really the situation in high-dollar family court. Yeah. And the one component I left out, of course, were the attorneys, right? Yes. So it is. It's the most powerful partner, the wealthiest partner who wins. And unfortunately, in my case, I lost the majority of our financial estate. So wow. I spent almost everything I had liquid to get to that jury verdict. And what happened subsequently was that Alex keeps on filing. He's got an attorney who served me, I think, I've had like five or six things in the past week and a half. He's wow. got somebody who just wants to make money. He's a terrible guy. He's, his name is Randy Wilhite. He went on the air with Alex and broadcasted field documents which is a major offense. see that right there yeah. <laughs> i'm just amazed yeah. that uh you know people can just think that that's okay i i i'm just blown away by that whole thing but go ahead i didn't mean to step on you keep, not at keep all i mean it me. is it's mind-blowing i was sitting there like how could he ever even go on that show number one and number two like to go on there with the seal court documents it's because they know that I'm outmanned. But the thing is, I'm not outpowered because my my strength comes from my faith, and I stand strong in my belief, and I know that God is with me and my family, 
and that the truth always comes out, James. I really believe that. So um, back to the attorney thing, you know, these are attorneys, for example, that same guy, Randy Wilhite, accidentally, I guess he said, sent me an email last week where he was outlining ways to make me suffer for simply asking a question. Oh, and it's just outrageous. It's like there's no good case, no good faith. How in the world could anyone perceive anything that's going on from Alex Jones and all of this ongoing vexatious litigation, which, by the way, the judge should have cut off at the knees, given the kids back primarily to me back in April of last year. Didn't happen. But how could anybody perceive any of this as being good for our kids? It's terrible for our kids. If none of this helps them, my kids want to be with me. My, I don't see my son at all. My son now is severely alienated from me. But he needs relief, too, and I'm working on that. But my daughters are happy to be home. Their friends come and sleep over. You know, we go do fun things in town. One of my daughters has, is a teenager, very social. The other one is, like, really into musical theater. They're happy. So, and then we've got our dogs. We've got our house. You know, we've just got a little family going on here. And so in the middle of all that, when I'm trying to be with these kids that I lost for years and years, having had less time with them, than drug dealers and prostitutes, I'm dealing with these filings coming in and having to represent myself in court, and that itself is just unfair to my family. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. Kelly Jones joins us here in our broadcast. CustodyWars.com is the official website. And, uh, Kelly, we've run out of time. I appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks for coming on and educating us and uh, having, having a fun time and... Uh, I just really appreciate the interview. It's been an honor and a privilege. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you. That's so very kind, James. I really enjoyed it. Definitely. We will talk to you soon. Check out CustodyWars.com. And, Kelly, good luck with everything. Thank you. God bless. Thank you, my friend. There goes Mm -hmm. Kelly Jones. And uh, that was a bang-up, bang-up interview. She is fantastic. And uh, that wraps it up here for our big broadcast. And uh, thanks for joining us here in our here in our program. Follow us on oh the Facebook. Also find us on Twitter and download the app. It is available jiggyjaguar.us. J i g g y j a g u a r dot us. Jiggyjaguar.com. And we will see you on the Friday edition. Peace. I'm out of that. We'll talk to you soon.